This morning we're going to look at the book of Judges. Chances are this book isn't as familiar to you as other books in the Bible. I hope that today you learn some things about this book in the Old Testament and walk away with a better understanding. But most of all, I hope you can relate to the book of Judges in a way that can help you to go out from here and to live as a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. So to start this sermon this morning, we're going to have a little short Bible study on the book of Judges. And then we're going to look at the text that I just read to you from Judges chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. So when the book of Judges comes along in the story of the Israelites, a lot has already happened. We've gone through the whole book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and Joshua. And don't forget that Joshua was the one who led the Israelites into the promised land that God had for them, going all the way back to Abraham. Joshua's generation and the following generation witnessed God's miraculous works, and they continued to worship God as an imperfect community of people. So Judges was after the Israelites settled in the land and before they got their first king. In other words, it was before the monarchy. During this time, the Israelites did evil as they worshipped images of Baal and Asherah and other gods. Scripture records that the disobe this disobedience made God so angry that God helped other enemies of theirs defeat the Israelites. Now, even though God was angry, God still remained faithful and had compassion. God would raise up military leaders or charismatic leaders to rescue them from their oppressors. These leaders were called judges. You may have heard of some of these judges before, like Ehud. Barak, Deborah, Gideon, Elon, and a more famous one who was known for strength, Samson. So when you think of the book of Judges, don't just think about a judge. Don't think of a judge with a gavel like you would think of today. Think of a military or charismatic type leader that God would raise up to help the Israelites overcome someone who was oppressing them. The other day, I was enjoying a nice bowl of cereal at the kitchen counter when two of my cats in the house decided that this bowl of cereal also belonged to them as they went to stick their heads straight into the bowl. So being the good pet owner that I am, I kindly nudged them away in hopes that they would get the message that this cereal and milk did not belong to them. They would stay away for a moment or two and then they would come right back to the bowl of cereal and I could pick them up, I could place them on the floor, and sure enough, here they came again. No matter what I did, they were in, they were in a never-ending cycle of coming back to a place that they shouldn't have been. This is kind of like the theme of the book of Judges. Israel goes down a path that God would not have for them. They're overtaken by oppressors. They cry out for help. God sends them a judge. They experience peace. The judge dies, and then Israel goes back into doing what was evil. It was like the Israelites kept going back to the bowl of cereal. They kept going back to doing what was evil and forgetting who God was. They worshipped other gods, yet God had compassion on them, and even in the midst of their disobedience. But to look at this scripture this morning from Judges 4, 1-7, the scripture starts off with the words, after Ehud had died. Now, Ehud was a judge that helped um, 
save the Israelites from the Moabites. In fact, there was a story where Ehud brought a double-edged dagger with him to visit Eglon, the king of Moab. Ehud eventually stabbed him so deep in the stomach that the Bible records his dagger disappeared in the fact. Pretty graphic recording, if you ask me. But eventually, Ehud's leadership helped Israel experience peace for 80 years. But as soon as Ehud dies, we see in our scripture reading from this morning that the Israelites again did the things that the Lord saw as evil. So here we go again. Israel does evil. They're overtaken by oppressors. They cry out for help. God sends them a judge. They experience peace. The judge dies. And then Israel goes back into doing what was evil. It is a cycle that they get caught up in. But this time, God handed them over to Jabin, a Canaanite king, and Sisera, the general of Jabin's army. They oppressed Israel for 20 long years. But God uses a judge once again to help rescue them. This time, he uses a woman named Deborah. The Israelites would come to Deborah so that she would help them settle disputes. Deborah was one of many judges, some of which I've already named. But how do the people of Israel in the book of Judges relate to us? I mean, this was so long ago, but yet scripture can relate to us. The cycle of sin and disobedience we see in the book of Judges is something I believe that we can relate to as disciples of Jesus Christ. Because like, the, like Israel in the book of Judges, we too go through cycles of sin and disobedience in life. Like Israel in the book of Judges. We, too, go through cycles of sin and disobedience in life. I remember as a kid, my grandparents had this little machine that you would plug into, plug into the wall, and it was used for putting golf balls. And essentially, you would put a ball towards the machine, and then the machine would shoot the ball back out towards you so that you didn't have to move. It was so fun, and you didn't have to move if you putted the ball correctly. It was like a never-ending cycle of, Hitting the ball into the machine, and then the machine would cause the ball to come right back to you. You could do this all day. And sometimes this is how certain sins can look. We are like the golf ball, and we move away from the sin, but something causes us to go back to the sin once again. The Israelites were like this too in the book of Judges. They lived peacefully when the judge was alive, but when the judge died, they were right back to disobedience and sin. And don't we do the same thing? Don't we do what we know we ought not to do? Paul says this in Romans chapter 7 in the New Testament. He says, I don't know what I'm doing because I don't do what I want to do. Instead, I do the thing that I hate. But if I'm doing the thing that I don't want to do, I'm agreeing that the law is right. But now, I'm not the one doing it anymore. Instead, it's sin that lives in me. I know that good doesn't live in me, that is, in my body. The desire to do good is inside of me, but I can't do it. I don't do the good that I want to do, but I do the evil that I don't want to do. But if I do the very thing that I don't want to do, then I'm the one, I'm not the one doing it anymore. Instead, it is sin that lives in me that is doing it. Paul even says, I do the thing that I hate. I do the evil that I don't want to do. Can't we relate? 
We know that it's wrong to do things contrary to God's will for our lives, but yet we do it anyway. Sometimes it's like we can't help ourselves. We know it's wrong, but sin entices us. Sin tempts us. And James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 says, Everyone is tempted by their own cravings, and then they are lured away and enticed by them. Once those cravings conceive, they give birth to sin. And when sin grows up, it gives birth to death. This week I was saddened to learn from a past, that a pastor of a very large church in New York City was fired for moral failures. He later came out on social media and posted and shared that he had been unfaithful to his wife. I can only imagine the hurt that he has caused his wife, his children, and his church that he was called to lead. There must be so much emotion around this as people probably feel hurt and betrayed. This pastor knew better, and he knew that it was wrong to be unfaithful to his wife, but he chose to act on his temptations. He was lured away, and it gave birth to sin. If this was a pattern that he had for an extended period of time, he was acting like the Israelites in the book of Judges. Now, I'm not casting any stones, as you probably already know. Pastors are not exempt from sin and are also far from perfect. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, as Scripture reminds us. I was saddened to hear this news over the week. He did this even when he knew it was wrong. I'm not saying there's not grace for people, that there's not room for forgiveness, but certainly there are consequences to our sins. And Israel had consequences for their sins. Oftentimes, God would hand them over to a foreign enemy in the book of Judges. But what is my sin today? What is your sin today? What do you keep coming back to? How can you relate to Israel? What is it that you need to repent of this morning? Today is a day for repentance. Today is a day to come back to God no matter how far we have strayed. What sin might the Holy Spirit be lying on your heart in this moment? Second Chronicles says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Now remember, repentance is not just turning away from something and turning towards God, but it's also about changing and renewing your mind. How do you need to be renewed and have your mind transformed today? What is it that you keep coming back to? Maybe it's anger that you keep coming back to. Maybe it's lust that you keep coming back to. Maybe it's your addiction to drugs or alcohol or any other addiction that you might keep coming back to. Maybe it's greed that you keep coming back to or gluttony that you keep coming back to. Maybe it's selfishness that you keep coming back to. Like the old hymn says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Sometimes this is us. We wander from God. And we keep going back to a certain sin. What is that sin for you today? Whatever it is, leave it here this morning. Don't carry it out with you. God has sent us Jesus, not a judge. And this Jesus says to you this morning, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This Jesus says to you that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Don't carry that heavy load anymore. With God's help, anything is possible. 
If you are involved in something that is a pattern that does not honor God, there is hope. You can break the cycle of sin. Let's go to God and let it go this morning. Let us confess our sin to God, knowing that we aren't approaching an angry God with a paddle, but that we are approaching a God who loves us, who loves me, who loves you unconditionally. So let us confess in this moment. Almighty God, merciful God, we know that we have offended one another. When we offend one another, we offend you. We are aware that we have often allowed the shadow of hate to cloud our souls, hiding the light from our unseeking eyes. We have said unpleasant and hurtful things to our brothers and sisters when they have failed to live up to our expectations. Grant that we might find that spark of love that ever burns within us. The love that you have shown to us even when we failed you. Fan the embers of that love until it roars again in flames of love, peace, and reconciliation. Forgive us our sin and help us to forgive those who have sinned against us. Lead us into new life through your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for the sins of us all. Amen.